0: Hello and welcome fellow lighting nerds and friends to another episode of The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast powered by the Lighting Showroom Association and hosted by yours truly, Lisa Bartlett. Thank you for uh, joining me again on this Tuesday morning. I'm going to start off the top here with a little kind of programming note, <laughs> I guess. Um, in mid-September, I am going on a bit of an extended vacation. I am going to endeavor to pre-record episodes for my absence, or perhaps even be so inspired to post one from, uh, our said vacation. But, um, I can't promise. And I will let y'all know, I will put, um, I will put an episode out telling you, um, what the status is, you know, even if it's just a quick 30 seconds on on where we're at. Um, but just rest assured podcast isn't going away. It might just take a small vacation with me, (laughs) but we will see. And I just wanted to let y'all know that in advance. Um, so this episode of light files, I want to talk about a retail shopping experience I had in the home goods category that was not in lighting (laughs) because, well, I own a lighting store, so I don't particularly need to go elsewhere to buy lighting. Um, Although I do love, love, love visiting other lighting showrooms, and I wish I had the ability to visit many, many more of them. It's such a fun experience for me. Um, seeing how everyone does things just a little bit different. And I find it to be so inspirational. So um, long story (laughs) short-ish, well, we're making a podcast out of it. So it probably won't be that short. But uh, the home I live in is a, uh, it's a, well, it's newer than mid-century, but, you know, originally built in the mid-70s or so. Um, So it's got a little age on it. Um, the homeowners that we purchased it from, it was the, like the children of the original owners. Anyway, all that to say that the house, um, was in the same family and had kind of like lack of maintenance as you know, it tends to happen with houses. And this home had a big, um, kitchen remodel done in the like mid nineties. And it was an exceptional kitchen remodel at the time. I'm sure it cost many, many dollars. Um, all that to say when they did this, they installed like an undercounter ice machine and honestly y'all, I didn't even know such a thing existed before we bought this house. <laughs> I just thought the ice was made in the freezer and you pushed the little handle and it came anyway. I do remember ice trays too, but I'm just saying I just didn't even know that an undercounter ice machine was a thing. Well, it turns out it is, and um, for the second time now, our undercounter ice machine has died. So we had to do some shopping and research and everything else about, okay, are we going to replace this and what are we going to do and whatever. So we did um, just like I expect. And the whole point of the story is, I'm sure you get it already, but to just as put yourself in some consumer shoes and think about the buying process and translate it to a lighting and fan showroom. So that's really what I'm talking about here, this whole buying process that we went through that I really learned some insightful things from about how consumers might interact with my own business. And just, you know, you don't have to go buy major appliances that often, and all very similarly, you don't often go buy new light fixtures or fans. So I think there's a lot that's translatable from this experience. And um, there are a few things that kind of stunned me along the way. So that's why we're having a whole podcast about it. So I just can't wait to hear your thoughts on this and your own experiences shopping and other major home goods categories. So we went and did the online research to start, right? Like basically we looked up replacing it with the model that we already had, but, um, we had tried to get this model repaired. It was just going to be almost as expensive to repair it as it would be to buy a new one. And so, okay, well, do we replace it with the same model we had that we had for six years and died, or do we do something else? So we were just doing a ton of online research about all of the models and the brands and what the options are and everything else. And you could find at like big box stores, like Best Buy, I think Best Buy is where we found most of the online sales of these, but Best Buy, I'm sure Home Depot and Lowe's had some, but big box stores. They had for sale via their websites, and I'm sure in-store, you know, the under-counter ice machines, whatever, of a, um, the mostly they were like the KitchenAid brand. They were like the good brands, right? They weren't the better best brands, but it was like the good everyday living kind of stuff. And you could buy those online through a big box store left and right. Well, as we researched more, we found that there were some other brands that were maybe a little bit more premium, But again, we had one of those just good brands before and it died after six years. So we thought maybe we should investigate maybe a different model, a different manufacturer to see if we could find a brand that would last longer for us. So in doing so, in doing some research, mostly on just those manufacturers websites, because that's the only place where we could really find that information. So we couldn't just go to any old website and get all of the information about brand X. Um, we really just had to go to the manufacturer's website. So fine. So we go to the manufacturer's website. It has pricing on there. That's like uh, manufacturer's suggested retail. Okay, fine. Okay. Well, we really think we like this model. Let's just go buy it now. We'd had experience with an undercounter ice machine. We knew the dimensions. We felt pretty confident about it. So let's go try to just buy it online, get it delivered to the house, call this job done. Well, it turns out you couldn't. You literally couldn't. There was li- like literally no way to buy some of these brands online. Nothing. Just don't even think about it. Just all the links were find your local dealer. Here's the map of our your local distributors. Uh, call your local dealer for more information. Do this. But everything pointed back to call your local distributor of these products. Here's how to find them. And there were more than one local distributor, right? Um, there's a Ferguson where I live. So Ferguson's was on the list. And a few um, local brands were on the list. Now being the independent retailer that I am, I did bypass going to the Ferguson's. I'm sorry. (laughs) We went to the local shop instead. And so we went and we talked to the salespeople there. Um, It was a really interesting experience, right? Uh, We went into this locally owned appliance showroom. I have to say the displays were underwhelming at best. But as we talked to the guys that were working there and they were all gentlemen at this store, I'm sure there's some excellent appliance sales ladies out there, but this store was hundred percent guys. (laughs) They, um, they were very, you know, nice, reasonably knowledgeable. I wouldn't say wildly. So, uh, we came in armed pretty well with information from the internet, um, You know, because we could see all the specs of all the products, all the, you know, whatever, all the instructions were online, you just literally couldn't buy, you literally had to go to a store or call a store, I guess, to buy but in a, you know, big appliance size purchase. Uh, I think for many of us, when you go to spend, uh, you know, maybe more than like $500 on something, you kind of want to go see some things in person (laughs) before you just hand over your credit card. (laughs) It's just more of a thought process, right? So the showroom was pretty underwhelming. Of course, you know, being the lighting nerd, I am all I can do is look at the fact that they have fluorescent light fixtures everywhere and none of the color temperatures match. And it was driving me bananas. But, uh, you know, sidebar. And of of course, uh, the always be selling part of me mentioned this and said I'd be happy to help (laughs) if they wanted to replace their lamping on their light fixtures. Nobody took me right up on that. But that said, it was still a thing. But as we were talking to the gentlemen who worked there, a couple of them were helping us. One was obviously far more experienced and had most of the answers to our questions, but he wasn't our primary salesperson, so he kept turning to him to ask questions. But uh, we found out that the showroom is floor planned. In other words, they own none of the product on display in the showroom, not one stick of it. None of the displays does this showroom own. They're not forced to purchase them. They're not forced to do anything other than have them on display per the terms of their agreement with the manufacturer. No investment in product for display whatsoever. Zero dollars. Are you hearing me? Zero dollars invested in display. Now, if they add a granite countertop and build out some nice cabinetry, I'm sure there's a bit of an expense there. I suspect that is also shared with the manufacturer. I didn't get to that level of detail. But all of their displays are not owned by them. Just complete opposite of how the lighting showroom industry works. Now, as I was talking to the guy, and I was like, "Oh man, that's so different." <laughs> I have to buy everything, and he said, "Oh well, you know, your upside is you can sell a display." And clearly, this is coming from a place of like uh, inventory is really hard to find <laughs> at times where they would probably really love to offload a display fixture um, to satisfy a customer need. Um, and I totally get that because um, I certainly am not the only lighting showroom who has taken advantage of the products that I do own, my dis- the, the fact that I do own my displays and during this time was able to get product placed in a customer's home to m- meet their needs and customer satisfaction and all that. So I get that there are pros and cons to all of this, but I just found it to be such a like a wildly different concept of how to do a showroom. Than what we do in the lighting industry. So it's still a local independent business selling home goods, but it was so different of an experience. Now I will say probably because of the difference in how the business operates and you don't have to buy all the displays and there isn't all this financial commitment. I feel like that's probably why I was a little underwhelmed by the look of the store. Like it looked like nobody had come through and done any major updates probably in the past eight to 10 years. And, um, so it didn't feel like gross or icky. It was still, you know, a decent space. Um, but it just didn't feel kept up with the times. So I think that probably also plays into part of, um, like there are pros and cons to everything, right? As always. But like, perhaps there's a lack of innovation in how they display their product because they know if somebody wants to come, if somebody wants to buy brand X, there's not a lot of choices and they can't buy it online. They're going to have to go to the local business. They're going to have to go to the local showroom in order to buy those goods. There's no plan B. There's only plan A. And so because they know they're kind of locked in as plan A, They don't maybe have to work as hard to innovate and elevate. I'm not saying I think that's necessarily the correct way to run that, but I do think that probably there is a little bit more of a tendency to kind of rest on your laurels knowing that you're kind of locked in as the point of purchase. Whereas in our lighting business, there's so many other choices and places to go for these goods, even our premium brands that you do have to keep, you know, more innovative, more on the cutting edge, more updates, more everything to keep your customers engaged and happier. Um, It's really more of an uh, incentive to innovate and be sure the showroom looks like a place people want to come be and buy from and all of that. Um, I was even just uh, amazed at even the accessories. So like... Um, uh, I'm sure there's any number of appliances that there's accessories for, but with my little experience in this undercounter ice machine, I learned that there's either thir- or sorry, 15 or 18 inch units. And if you get a 15 inch unit, but you've got an 18 inch space, they make these little trim pieces that you can buy. Well, even that trim piece that only cost, I think like $99, you can't buy that online can't buy that anywhere on the internet you have to go through the dealer just for this $99 accessory piece. And that's really great because the manufacturer is banking on the fact that we've set this distributor up with our product. we've given them product skills. We're gonna you know know that the experts in that store are gonna hear the customers' needs, hear their challenges and sell them the right product and the accessories that go on with uh, go along with it. And that is all done through this distribution channel. There's no online anything, nothing. You can buy some, you know, cleaning solutions maybe, or maybe in our equivalent, it would be the light bulbs or whatever. Maybe you can buy that online, but that's it. Everything else goes through the brick and mortar distributors. And I was just like, you know, dying inside, like, oh my God. (laughs) You know, y'all know I'm not a... Big proponent of like bashing on the internet, right? Like in our industry, to some degree, it's there. We all let it in. We allowed it to happen, right? So I sometimes don't see the point of complaining over the horse being out of the barn. The horse is out of the barn. What you know, like, what am I going to do to complain about it now? Now it's just how do we either a get it back in the barn or figure out how to control it? So I'm not going to you know sit here and complain too much on internet sales. But also, I just was so enamored with this idea of manufacturers, especially with their higher end goods, like mid to higher end goods, protecting their distribution, requiring that business to go through brick and mortar channels, requiring that there be experts selling their products so that they know their products are ending up in customers' homes with the right down rods in the right installation manner in a way that they're going to be happy with it instead of putting all of their premium products all over the internet, getting all sorts of angry returns because somebody didn't know that that $1,200 fan was going to need a downrod, and then they're ticked off about they don't have the downrod, they can't feel the airflow, and they send it back. But if If manufacturers required more of a protection level there with their brick and mortar distribution and required that, okay, maybe you can buy this this part of our product line online. We're pretty available with that. But this other core part of our product line, you can only buy that through showrooms via our experts, via these people that we have invested in and trained and spent time with. Um, you're not going to get the returns. (laughs) I'm not saying it's always going to go perfectly. Things happen. But just think about how much easier it might be if we just relied on our brick and mortars and their expertise for this mid to premium level of goods instead of just allowing them to be sold willy-nilly, whatever, and getting returns on $1,000 ceiling fans or $1,500 light fixtures or whatever the case may be. I just really want to challenge all of us to think about our key partnerships. Showrooms, think about your key vendors. Manufacturers, think about your key partners, your key retail partners. And do you want those people to go out of business? I assume the answer is absolutely not. So to that point, I say we seriously need to reevaluate the how and why of our sales distribution processes. I think... We are doing things the way they have, quote unquote, always been done. And if anyone's (laughs) listened to the podcast at all, (laughs) you know that I very strongly feel it is time to move beyond what has always been done. And sure, uh, is the old guard potentially going to be annoyed that they don't get their co-op dollars that they used to get? Sure, sure. Maybe, but maybe it opens up other opportunities that help brick and mortar sell more, that helps us be stronger partners to you, that helps reduce returns, that helps make our staff more, um... Engaged, more knowledgeable. And I'm not asking for free displays, right? Like, I can see some downsides to having a floor plan showroom where you don't own your display. Like, don't get me wrong, even though that kind of like put stars in my eyes over, like, oh my God, you don't have to buy these things. (laughs) I can absolutely see some cons to that. But just the knowing that there are similar businesses to ours where everyone is so much more invested in the outcome together as partners. And that's what was really sticking with me. Like, oh, these manufacturers are so invested in this. They're giving the product and they are not allowing you to find that product anywhere else. You must go to these places that we have designated to buy our goods. And it's such a great reinforcing cycle. And I just don't know why we don't try to do that more in the lighting and fan world. Again, especially for the mid to premium products, you know, a two bulb bulb you know, flush mount. uh, All right. You know, I'm not, (laughs) let's just set that kind of part of our business aside or a disc led disc light, whatever, but mid to premium goods. Why are we not doing this more? Why are we just kind of like going through checking the box of the process? Okay. The showroom a bought our product this January, Um, moving on, uh, we'll try again in June and that's it. And like, that's all the content. Like, why do we allow this like cycle of buy my stuff? Okay. I bought it. All right. Pat on the back. job. Done. Like, why are we not more engaged with one another as partners on an ongoing basis? Why is it just like, okay, showrooms, you've been around, you've been doing this for a while. You are longest and oldest and uh, whatever original distribution channel, but, uh, we're going to try some of these other things too, but, you know, keep buying from us just the way you always have. And, you know, we'll give you a, a little, you know, pat on the head or something. I don't know. And then we won't talk to you again for another six months until we do all this again. I just think we're the point being, it's not to disparage manufacturers. The point being that we are just really missing opportunities in our partnerships and we're not treating them as partnerships. We've just gotten down this like path of like, this is just how our industry operates and you know, what are you gonna do? And I, as y'all know, (laughs) don't think that that's necessarily how we should move forward. I think there's a lot of opportunity moving forward if we just rethink a little bit about how we've done business and how we can do business together moving forward. I say it's time for change. I say it's time for us to provide value to one another, to help one another innovate, and to bring assets to the table and not just requests for money to cover our costs. Rethink it all. Rethink it all. How much are those co-op dollars helping you? How much are those spiffs really helping you? How much are any number of things really helping you? How much are printed catalogs are helping you? How much is not having a printed catalog hurting you? Like, let's just think, really assess all of these things about how we operate and really think about how consumers are shopping today and their needs and how we can partner together to better meet those needs The augmented reality program that the LSA is launching in September, I think is critical. I think it's super important that our manufacturers partner with us on that program. It helps us in the showroom. It helps us with our customers. Great. And it's something we can take on as an industry and make happen and really innovate and step up to the next level. I think it's critically important that we are just think outside the box and not just do same old same old. And honestly y'all really just think about sit with this and think about it. How in indi- in our industry and in, like if we take the home goods category as an industry, there are businesses that operate with a product level similar to ours and The way it's set up and structured is so different. And there is a constant reinforcing loop back to local distribution, the local brick and mortars. And again, I'm not saying we need to mimic that exactly, but how can we take our business more in that direction? How can we edge our industry more in that direction rather than just trying to be everything to everyone all across the board? Would love to hear your thoughts on this. I know this is not going to rub everyone the right way. I totally get it. But if this stop makes you stop and think for just 30 seconds about how we can operate better together as an industry, I would say your time and frustration in listening to this podcast was totally worth it. So just give it some thought. What could we be doing better? I'm telling you there's some real opportunities out there on the table. We just have to be brave enough to take them. Fortune favors the bold. Thank you all so much for listening. Everyone take care and I'll talk to you next time.